0: From 1931 to 1939, a violent string of conflicts known as the Harlan County War ravaged southeastern Kentucky. In almost a decade of conflict, federal troops occupied the county more than six times, and an untold number of people were killed. At the end of it all, after bombings, assassinations, and strikes, the miners in one of Appalachia's most anti-labor counties finally won the right to unionize, but the struggle for labor rights in Harlan County was far from over. This is the final part in our three-part series on mining and labor. You're listening to Hidden History. I'm your host, Ellis Tucci, and this is episode 17, Bloody Harlan.
1: Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? He'll be with you fellow workers Until this battle's won Tell me which side are you on? Which side are you on? Sing it! Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Oh, workers, can you stand it? Tell me how you can Will you be a lousy scab Or will you be a man Come, all of you good workers, good news to you I'll tell Of how the good old union has come in here to dwell Tell me which side are you?
0: Which Side Are You On? was originally written in 1931 by Florence Reese after Sheriff John Blair ordered his men to break into her home and terrorize her family in search for her husband, a labor organizer. That was Pete Seeger performing the song sometime after 1940. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Though coal mining began in Harlan County in the 1800s, The first shipment of coal was sent out in 1911. Production levels shot up from 25,814 tons in 1910 to 384,427 tons in 1912 to an astonishing 1.2 million tons in 1914. By the late 1920s, over 15 million tons of coal would be extracted from the mountains of Harlan County every year. At its zenith, Harlan County coal companies employed 13,619 people. Today, it's less than 6% of that, a grand total of 764. Per capita income is only 57% of the national average. Harlan County has fallen on hard times. But then again, hard times aren't new to Harlan County. When the Great Depression rolled into coal country, mine owners decided that in order to keep people buying their coal, they had to sell it for less than it cost to mine. There was one hitch. On February 16, 1931, in the midst of the Depression, In an area already rife with unimaginable poverty, the coal companies cut the miners' wages by 10% to avoid losing money. The United Mine Workers Union saw their opportunity and pushed for unionization efforts throughout the county. But, just like last episode, every miner that joined the union was fired and evicted from their company-owned housing. Just like last episode, This caused miners not affiliated with the UMW to walk off the job, and as the number of striking workers topped 5,000, scores of them sought refuge in Everts, one of the three towns in the entire county that was not owned outright by a coal company. What happened next is also like last episode. On the morning of May 5th, 1931, a convoy of three cars, Each containing a deputy passed through the town of Everts on their way to deliver supplies to strikebreakers. But scores of angry miners were laying in wait. As the cars approached the railroad track, a single shot rang out. To this day, we don't know who fired it. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that important. What does matter is that soon after, all three deputies and one miner were dead. In 15 minutes, over 1,000 shots were fired. This marks the first time the National Guard would be called in over the course of the Harlan County War. The Battle of Everts, as it would soon be called, inspired more strikes across the county, but victory was short-lived for the fighters. The Red Cross classified the battle as an industrial dispute and refused to offer aid the UMW-2 declined to help. On May 24th, a union meeting was met with tear gas and the sheriff's elimination of the right to assembly. The coal companies refused to budge, and facing starvation, the miners returned to work on June 17th. UMW membership in Harlan County fell like a stone, never to fully recover. And although to a large portion of the miners, these National Labor Unions had lost their luster, that didn't prevent the National Miners' Union from trying to move in and organize the area. They opened soup kitchens to help the starving strikers, and they slowly gained attraction throughout Harlan. But there was one major difference between the UMW and the NMU. The National Miners' Union was openly communist. If you've taken any sort of American history class, then you should know how the American establishment thought of communism in the 1930s. Local religious leaders pulled their support of the union, and as the Red Cross began offering competing soup kitchens, the NMU spiraled deeper into financial trouble. Union membership once again declined, and the miners completely lost their already dwindling collective bargaining power. But all of a sudden a breath of fresh air. In 1933, Congress passed the National Industrial Recovery Act, or NIRA. One of the many things that it did was outlaw firing on the grounds of union status. Miners could now unionize without fear of retribution. And over the next two years, half the coal mines in Harlan came to have a union presence. But don't let that fool you. The struggle between management and labor was far from over. In 1933, the people of Harlan County elected a new sheriff who was a supposedly pro-Union candidate. He turned out to be even more crooked and corrupt than his predecessor, Sheriff Blair. One year later, when UMW officials requested the protection of the National Guard, they showed up en masse and marched the UMW officials out of Harlan County. In the 1935 Supreme Court case Schecter-Poultry Corporation versus United States, the court determined that the regulatory framework of NIRA granted President Roosevelt legislative power over Congress itself, conflicting with the legal concept of non-delegation, and that the powers NERA entrusted to Congress were in violation of the Commerce Clause. In a unanimous decision, the act was declared unconstitutional and overturned. Seemingly overnight, the amount of unionized mines in Harlan County went from 18 to 1. That year, the National Guard would occupy the county three times as unrest grew. But just as the National Industrial Recovery Act was overturned, Roosevelt signed the National Labor Relations Act of 1935, more commonly known as the Wagner Act, into law. It was like NERA. But with teeth. It outlawed contracts where condition of employment was non-union status, known as yellow dog contracts. It outlawed unions that were administered and dominated by the employers themselves. It established a codified list of unfair labor practices, laid out the rules for collective bargaining, and established the National Labor Relations Board. And though it was soon overturned itself, it was, in effect, management's worst nightmare. And although they resisted the best they could, contributing greatly to those three National Guard visits in 1935, they eventually buckled under the pressure of the federal government. Though conflict continued sporadically until 1939, the high water mark of the Harlan County War had passed And for the moment, the miners had won. Harlan County remained relatively calm for the next three decades, but tensions would explode once again in a 1973 strike against Duke Energy that resulted in a double murder. The strike itself is the subject of Barbara Koppel's Oscar-winning documentary, Harlan County, USA, which I watched in preparation for this show and I'd recommend to anyone who wants to learn more about the history of labor in the United States. To lead out this week's episode, I'd like to play you an excerpt from NBC News covering the aftermath of that very same 1973 strike. This episode of Hidden History was written by myself and Jeff Cole. This has been the final part in our three-part series on the history of organized labor in American mining. If you've been listening along with us, especially these past two episodes, I hope we've been able to leave you with a question. What's the real price of coal? It turns out, a lot more than $77 per tonne. This is Ellis Tucci and Hidden History.
1: One of this country's best known coal mining areas. It is not well known because of the amount of coal it produces. It is blood that has made Harlan County famous. Blood spilled in some of the most violent labor disputes in this country's history. There was another violent strike in Bloody Harlan last year, but as Rebecca Bell reports, it is more peaceful there now.
2: Last year, the coal mining camps became bloody Harlan all over again. People in these mountains have guns, and violence on a picket line is not unusual. Have you fun today, boys? It may be different tomorrow. As the strike dragged on for more than a year, two miners were shot, one man was killed. The day of the miners' funeral, a new contract was signed, ironically in the same room where the funeral was held. After that, Harlan hoped to return to normal. But on a recent visit to Harlan County, the men were out on strike again, this time a walkout over union grievance procedures. Eastover Mining Company's Brookside Mine was shut down again for the seventh time this year. But this wildcat strike lasted only one day, and even the miners who were out joked about it, and spoke of improvements.
1: They're not as good as we'd like them, but they're better. 100% better. Safety's better. Working conditions are better. Better wages.
2: The atmosphere of tension in Harlan has lessened. Inside this courthouse, a mine foreman was being tried in the shooting death of a miner during last year's strike. Outside, life went on as usual. Even the foreman's acquittal on grounds of self-defense caused no major stir. This time, Brookside was shut down for only 24 hours. These men feel they're making good money, about $50 a day. Underground, in cramped four-foot-high tunnels, it's backbreaking work. But it's all these men know how to do, and most of them have been doing it for years. Things are better in Harlan County. The miners are back at work three shifts a day around the clock, and the demand for coal keeps going up. Coal is Harlan County. There is no other industry and few other jobs. The whole county suffered when this country began using oil and natural gas instead of coal. But now the pendulum is swinging back, and that means better days for Harlan. Mine owners can sell everything they can produce, but they're still reluctant to be enthusiastic. Comparing last year's bloody strike with today's relative calm, one management official said, anything short of a revolution is better than it was then. The local union president is more optimistic. He even had some kind words for the company
1: for a change. I'd say things are, uh, if you could say, 200% better, but uh, we're still lagging on a few things, and uh, we intend to uh, stick together and get these things. Uh, We uh, stayed, some of us was off from work as long as 19 months, and uh, we didn't stay out 19 months for nothing.
2: There are other signs of change in Harlan County. A new road is being built. There's a major new shopping center, half completed and already crowded with customers. There's new housing and repairs on the old. Some people who had left Harlan County for big cities are returning. This man and his family came back from Michigan. He's now a foreman at the reopened Eastover Mining Company.
1: Well, there's a lot more money flowing. He stole his big outfit, he carry a lot of money. I'd say everything's working out pretty good.
0: There ain't nothing like country living. Not in my book anyway.
2: Other families with sons or husbands laid off in Detroit or Cleveland are also coming back. This is my home place that I really care for. I didn't care nothing about the city. I didn't like it. And I never would like it. I don't care if i would live for a thousand years one like. They think things are good now. But it's a fragile truce between the union and mine owners. Each is watching the other closely and seeing how far the new agreements can be pushed. There's calm and work in the mining camps now, but the legend of Bloody Harlan dies hard. Rebecca Bell, NBC News, Harlan County, Kentucky.
1: That's the news for this Saturday evening. I'm Tom Brokaw. Good night for NBC News.